Back in the day, I was set to leave for one of my first varsity basketball games. I showed up uh, at the time that the coach had announced, and everybody on the team was on the van. The coach was sitting in the driver's seat. He was obviously very irritated. All of the players were very quiet, and everybody was looking at me kind of funny. And I got on the van, and the coach immediately pulled out. And one of my buddies leaned over, and he said, you're late. And I said, no, I'm not late. It's 4.45. This is when the coach said. And he said, well, you almost got left because we operate on Lombardi time. And Lombardi time is 15 minutes early. And you're supposed to know that if coach says 4.45, it's actually 4.30. And next time, you're going to get left. And I thought, wow. Now, we may not have had a culture of communication on the team, but we did have a culture of punctuality and of excellence. And uh, there were all these unwritten rules, I remember, you know, on the high school basketball team. We were always expected to be at the gym in the summertime on Tuesday and Friday nights to play pickup games. We were not allowed to have practices, but our coach would always casually show up and yell plays at us and scream at us if we turned the ball over and but it wasn't practice and you were never allowed to be on a date or out doing something fun on Tuesday and Friday nights you were expected to be at the gym and nobody ever said it but everybody knew that that was what you were supposed to do um, those are cultural things sometimes the culture uh, is something that's not specifically lined out. Maybe it's not in writing. Maybe it hasn't even been spoken, but there's a culture. And you know, every business has a culture. What's true in basketball is true in business. It's true in the home. It's true in church. And it's true in the kingdom of God. They all have a culture. They all have a culture. And the culture is how we interact with each other. It's how decisions are made. It's, 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 it's how we, how we um, follow the Lord Together, Pastor Irwin McManus says that a culture is spontaneous and repeated patterns of behavior. And everywhere we look, there's culture. Now, you know, when you first get married, you realize that your marriage is going to be different than maybe your parents' marriage. But when you get married, you really, really learn that people come from different families. I just remember a few years after Gina and I had gotten married, I was like, wow, the way that my family handled money and the way that your family handled money, totally different. The way that your family handles conflict, the way that my family handles conflict, totally different. <laughs> the way that uh, you guys communicate, your family, and the way that my family communicates, totally different. Those were all cultural things. They're culture. And, and God has a culture of the kingdom. There's a culture of the kingdom of God. And I want to describe to you today the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom. And you may be thinking, well, Pastor, what in the world, what difference does it make what the culture of the kingdom is? I want to tell you something today. The culture of the kingdom, when it is expressed here on earth, it makes the world a better place. The reason that this matters is because if we had more of heaven here on earth, the earth would be a much, much better place. We need more of heaven in our daily lives and in our families and in our churches and all that we do. But we've got to get the culture of the kingdom. We've got to get the culture of the kingdom. And I want to describe that for you today. I want to share with you seven different aspects of the culture of the kingdom. You can write these down. 
Um, I was just thinking about culture this week. I don't eat a lot of fast food, but you know, on time to, from time to time, I do eat a little back, a uh, little little fast food. I was at a restaurant, not to say any names, but um, they serve chicken, and the name of the restaurant rhymes with Nicholas Shea. And I was there, and I was just noticing they had all these 14-year-old kids that were taking the orders. Like, one, I saw one mom drop their kid off at work. And, and at this particular restaurant, Nick Lachey, um, people, uh, the, 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 the people that work there, like, sometimes their voices crack because they're, they're, they're like, you know, pre-puberty type employees. But they do an amazing job. And I've never heard people say thank you and my pleasure so much. It's one of the only places on the planet where people say my pleasure, you know. And I've even tested people sometimes, you know. Like I'll repeat back to them thank you and they'll say my pleasure. And sometimes I'll say thank you again and they'll say my pleasure. And I'll say it maybe just three or four times. I'm just testing people, you know. But there's such a distinct culture. When you go to that particular restaurant, Nick Lachey, there's a culture. There's a culture that's there. I was so disappointed. I read not too long ago that this restaurant, Nick Lachey, and another restaurant that I won't say the name of, but we'll call it McDiddles, they actually serve the same chicken breast. But the experience is totally different. One time when I was at McDiddles, all the tables were dirty, and there were flies that were buzzing around. Um, a few years ago, when my kids were smaller, Bryn was sliding down the slide and she slid into some vomit, you know, on the, on, the, on the slide. And again, I'm not saying the name of the restaurant, but I'm just saying, like, there's a different experience. It's the same food, but it's, it's served in different ways. Now, there's a culture of heaven. There's a culture of earth. When we bring heaven to earth, we bring the distinctives of the kingdom of God to our community, to our families, and to our lives. And I want to describe the kingdom of heaven, the culture of the kingdom of heaven. It's a big deal. It's a big deal with God. In the early church, I think perhaps understood the culture of the kingdom of heaven as well as or maybe better than anybody. And in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we see the distinctives of the early church, this movement that emerged after the day of Pentecost and, and not too long after the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And the early church began to express the culture of heaven. They had, number one, a learning culture. A learning culture. Look at this in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles... Teaching to the apostles teaching people wanted to learn people were hungry to grow if you're going to be a follower of Christ you, you got to be a lifelong learner because God always has new stuff to show us we never get beyond beyond what God wants us to know and that's true with having a quiet time reading the Bible and praying each morning each day spending time with God we learn we learn, we grow. How do we, how do we learn the culture of heaven? Well, we study. We learn. We, 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 we got a lot to learn. And the Bible is such an amazing book. You, you could read it dozens and dozens of times, and there's still tons of things to learn. It's just that kind of book. Inspired by God, profound as all get out. Um, we have a lot to learn. 
And, and a learning culture is part of the kingdom, the culture of heaven. Um, we have groups that meet here at the church for Bible study, prayer, and encouragement. And those are times for people to learn. We have our Christian basic studies that we do here at the church where we take new believers and we, and, and, and we teach them the foundations of the Christian experience in life. And the Christian basic study is an amazing Amazing opportunity to learn and to grow and maybe even just to refresh on some some concepts and some understandings about God and Jesus and the Bible and whatever it may be. First um, Timothy says, says it this way in chapter four, verse seven, take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. In other words, we, we got to put some time and energy uh, into being a learner. And when we become a learner, we're expressing the culture of heaven. We, we have a disposition and a yieldedness and, and, a, and a teachability that, that reflects the love and the grace of God. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, we have our growth track here at the church. Our classes, our 101, 201, 301. Those classes are all designed to help move people through a process of spiritual development and learning and growth. Uh, I believe this, if you serve on one of our teams here at Edge Church, you'll become a better leader. You, 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 you will learn things that will help you be uh, not only a, a better Christ follower, but you will learn things that will help you be, I think, a better leader on your job and in your home and your family and your relationships and whatnot. And God wants us to be leaders and leaders are learners. The church also had a praying culture. They had a learning culture. They had... A praying culture, a praying culture. And a praying culture is important because it reminds us that God has the answer to every single problem. Uh, sometimes people may ask you a question and you may not know the answer to it. But you know what you can do? You can pray. I was having a hard conversation with somebody this week and they said, Pastor, I don't know why this happened. And I said, you know what? I don't know why that happened either. But let's talk to God about it. Let's pray. And when we pray... We establish and we build the culture of heaven. We're bringing heaven to earth in and through prayer. Look at this in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and what? And, yeah, and to prayer. Do you see it? And to prayer. Um, we should be praying in agreement. And praying in agreement is when people in the church are praying for the same things. We're, we're, we're agreeing. We're praying together and we're praying for one another. I'm praying for you. You're praying for me. We're praying for the same things. When you have a need, you, we're, we're praying for you. When, when I have a need, you're praying for me. We're praying in agreement. We're coming together and there's power that's released when the people of God come together in prayer. And this was a mark of the early church. This is why they were so effective, because, because they were always praying together. When we pray, God gets the glory and lives are transformed. Now, in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, Peter is imprisoned. He's about to go into trial the following day. And the church has a prayer meeting. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 says it like this. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. So, Peter's in jail. The book of Acts tells us he's chained up between two Roman guards. An angel shows up in the middle of the night, releases him. He goes to the home 
where the church is praying and a servant girl named Rhoda answers the door and she is so excited that Peter's there. She forgets to let Peter in the door and she goes back and announces to everybody, hey, Peter's actually here. We've been praying for him, right? Well, he's, he's, he's on the front porch. And everybody's like, well, Rhoda, let him in. <laughs> She's out of her mind. I don't know if you've ever had God answer a prayer request. It was almost like you were in disbelief. You know, like, we've been praying about it. Oh, God did what we asked him. Let's freak out for a moment. That's, that's incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> but we have a praying culture. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. They're praying and worshiping. And what happens? An earthquake happens. And the jailer commits his life to Christ. Um, prayer is a huge part. We want to have a culture of prayer in our church where people are always praying. People are always encouraging one another in prayer. And when we pray, we will also build faith. You see, a faith-filled culture is also a part of the kingdom culture. And in Acts 2.44, it says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. In other words, like God was showing up in big and profound ways. God was moving. God was God was was doing things that caused the people to be in awe. Notice he says, many wonders and signs were being performed. Now, when we pray in faith, that's when God does his greatest work in our lives. In fact, we had a, a lady in one of our groups not too long ago. Um, she had a tumor. The, the church is praying with her and for her. She went to the doctor uh, just a few weeks ago, and the, tr the tumor had dramatically shrunk. And, and we were celebrating. You know, we were praising God. Isn't that good? Isn't that exciting? Yeah, I think that's something to be excited about. And, and, and why should we be surprised by those things? You know, God is moving and working. You know, a few years ago, we had a, a family in our church. The mom called the church, and she said, Pastor, I think that my son is having some demonic oppression. And uh, I said, well, bring him up to the church. Let's talk and let's see what's going on. And this boy was just so tormented. And he was a kid that was here every weekend at church, a great kid. He was uh, a young man. You know, I said 11, 12 years old. He was having thoughts of suicide. He was thinking about hurting other people. He was stealing things. And when we got to the root of the issue, he was hearing a voice inside his head that was telling him, to do these things. And the voice said that if he ever told anybody else about what, why he was doing these things, that, that his mom's life would be taken. So this boy's terrified. And uh, I'm not the guy that sees a demon, you know, under every park bench and under every tree. I'm not that guy. But in this particular situation, it was very obvious that there was some demonic activity that was going on. And we begin to pray the blood of Jesus and for the power of God... And, you know, that boy went home that night and he slept better than he had slept in a really, really long time. And no longer was he hearing the voices and feeling the, the oppression of the demonic spirits that he was feeling. He couldn't even sleep with the lights out because he was so terrified. And uh, God, God began to do some amazing things in that family. I'm telling you, that, that's the mark of the, of the culture of heaven. That's what we want to see, God, what God is doing in heaven. We want God to do on earth. 
And that's why Jesus said we ought to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, what you're doing in heaven, what you desire in heaven, bring it to the earth. And we do it through faith. And one of our values here at Edge Church is life change. And we love to see people's life changed by the power of Jesus. Now, the kingdom culture is both vertical and horizontal. Sometimes we get this mixed up. We think kingdom culture is me and God. Me and God. I want to worship. I want to pray. I want to read the Bible. I want to come to church and learn something that's helpful for my life. Me and God. But I want to submit to you today that the kingdom culture is bigger than that. Kingdom culture is not just vertical. It is horizontal. It's both. It is both up and down. And it's across. It's about me and God, and it's also about me and people. Now look at this. The early church understood this. In verse 46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. There was a fellowship culture. The early church loved to be together. It was, re- it was a relational entity. There was a fellowship culture. Um, they, they took the Lord's Supper and they ate together. Notice they, they didn't just eat together like, you know, from time to time. They got together every day. They loved being together. And that's part of the culture of heaven is that the people of God enjoy one another's company. That's what the church is all about. The church is all about that expression of people being together. People are praying together. People are learning together. People are spending time together. That that is the culture of heaven here on earth. The church is a family. And the hospitality is a big part of of that fellowship culture. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 13. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Now, sometimes we think hospitality is just being nice. You know, I'm from the South, man. I can I could write some books about hospitality. But hospitality is actually a mandate from God. We're, we're commanded to be hospitable. That, that's part of spiritual maturity. That's part of kingdom living. That's, that, that, that's part of the fellowship culture, if you will. And, and hospitality is not just being nice, but it is the heartbeat of God. It's part of the culture of the kingdom, is that people love one another. So the church is not just a place where we dispense religious services, we hear good music, we hear a great sermon, we put our kids in the kids' program. The church is a relational entity, it is a family, it is a fellowship, it is a community of faith where people love and serve and pray for and encourage one another. That is the culture of the kingdom. The early church got this. Um, they, they loved it. They, the, the, the people enjoyed each other. Um, in addition to the fellowship and to the learning and to the prayer and the faith, they also were a giving community. Now don't miss this. Look, look in verse 44. Now, all of the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. As they had need. Um, Everyone was concerned about the welfare 
of somebody else. Everybody was, was looking out for, for, for somebody besides themselves. Besides themselves. Um, you know, a, a few years ago, we had a, a couple in our church that were really struggling with some health issues, some, some finances, some, some other struggles that were going on. And the group, the group, uh, their, their connect group, decided to buy them a stove and a microwave. They, they were having trouble cooking their food. And, and it was beautiful. And, you know, that's the culture of the kingdom is we're always trying to love each other and to help you. And giving is a part of that. This is the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom. We're so grateful for what God has done in our lives. We want to help others. And we do that in bringing tithes and offerings. Uh, tithes and offerings is one of the most beautiful aspects of living in the kingdom. Now, we have to have the right mindset to really understand this, okay? Here's a kingdom mindset about possessions. God owns everything. I have needs. And God uses his possessions to help meet my needs. That's a kingdom mindset. Here is a non-kingdom mindset. I need to give so I don't feel bad. I don't feel guilty. I need to give and then I'm upset later because I feel like God took from me. Or... The belief or the idea that everything that I have is from and because of me. Now, the culture of the kingdom is the opposite of that. In fact, the culture of the kingdom says this, that the skill that you have to earn a living was given to you by God. It's not just your personality. It's not just your connections or your education. God gave you abilities to earn the money that you earn. That's kingdom. That's kingdom mindset. God owns everything. Now, in a kingdom, there's no private property. The king owns everything. Amen? It's true. If the king says, I want to take your estate and give it to your neighbor, he can do it. It's the kingdom. What are you going to do? He's the king and you're not. In the kingdom of God, everything belongs to God and God has given us some and we are managers more than we are owners. So when it comes to bringing tithes and offerings, kingdom mindset, kingdom living says, you know what? This is all God's. God has asked me for 10% back. I'm going to bring the tithe. I'm going to bring the offering to God. I'm returning to God what already belongs to him because I want to express my love and devotion to him. And in Psalm 50 verse 10, it says, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, God says, listen, all the animals in the forest, they all belong to him. God owns the jackals and the coyotes and the rabbits and the leopards. They're all gods. God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, my, my wealth and my resources are beyond comprehension. You can't even add them all up. And the early church was about the giving, man. They just wanted to, they wanted to meet needs. They wanted to give. They wanted to bring those tithes. They, they wanted to worship in and through their giving. And the kingdom of God was expressed in and through the church. It was beautiful. They gave and they worshiped. Now, they had a worship culture as well, praising God 
and enjoying the favor of all the people, verse 47 says, that a worship culture. What is a worship culture? Worship is giving praise to God for who he is and what he's done. Now, why is worship such a big part of kingdom living? Because worship takes our eyes off of ourselves and our own problems and they, but it puts them on God. That's why I just think it's so important for us to be in the house of worship, the house of God each weekend, because it reminds us that our life is not just about us. It's not just about our problems, but for, for at least an hour, at least an hour every week, we can get our eyes off of ourselves and we can put our attention and our focus on God and that's worship. That's worship, corporate worship. There's something powerful about the, the church coming together to worship Jesus together. The, 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 there's a spiritual authority, there's a spiritual power that comes in and through it. it it's, it's unique, it's not like anything else. We can worship God privately in prayer and in devotion as well. And a worship culture gets our focus off ourselves and gets it on God. You know, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he was, a, he was a, the, the king, the Jewish king, and he's, a, he's being attacked by his enemies. And he sends out the worship band. Now, this is one of the, 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 the most humorous passages of the, of the Old Testament can you imagine going into the battle and instead of sending out the soldiers, you send out the praise team, you know? Everybody's got their skinny jeans and their tattoos and, you know, whatever it is. And they're singing. I don't know about you, but if I was going to get into a fight, the high school choir would not have been the first guys I would have chosen to be on my team. And Jehoshaphat sends out the choir and they begin to worship. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 that God sets an ambush and the enemies are defeated. There's something powerful about declaring the magnificence, the, the authority, the power of God. And we do that in and through worship. It's a beautiful thing. Finally, um, the kingdom culture is a growth culture. It's a growth culture. Look, look at this. Every day the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. Acts 2.47. Notice it says daily. I mean, it was every day people were coming to faith. Not once, not on the weekend. Now, we get really excited when a few people give their life to Christ on the weekend, and that's an awesome thing, and that's great. But in the early church, the culture of the kingdom is that people are coming to faith all the time. I mean, it's a daily thing, not a weekend thing, but a daily thing, a regular thing. And... The people were so engaged in the community. And you know, I think that this church stood out. The culture of the kingdom was so strong and it was so dynamic and so unique that, that people around it were saying, what is that? We, we want to be a part of that. People love each other like that. People pray for each other. People give, people support. What, there's something unique about what is this? local church thing what is this resurrection of Jesus thing and people began to inquire and listen when the culture of the church is strong and we got the kingdom of heaven here on earth then we stand out and it's like a magnet in this community where people go I want to be a part of that team sign me up for that a growth culture 
We need to be inviting and bringing friends, family members, work associates, whoever, whatever. We need to be bringing them to our weekend worship experiences here at Edge Church because the church is all about reaching out. The church is not just a place for consumerism where we come and our family gets blessed, but the church is a missional entity that God has designed to revolutionize the world. And if Christ has changed your life, then you want others to know about his goodness and his grace in their lives as well. That's why we're baptizing people all the time. That's culture. That's kingdom culture. That's why we get excited, man, when people raise their hands and and follow Christ here at Edge Church. In fact, uh, just last weekend, uh, we had a, a, a gentleman give his life to Christ. His wife's been coming to Edge Church for several years. The husband was not a believer. And then around Christmas time, he started coming more often, maybe the last few months. And, um, and last Sunday, he raised his hand to follow Jesus. Is that awesome? That, that's why we give people an opportunity to pray at the end of every service because we never know how God is stirring hearts. That's the kingdom. That's the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom. That, that's, that, that's why um, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Growth is, is part of the kingdom culture. We want our church to grow because we want the kingdom of God to grow. And we believe that the good news is really good. And because the good news is really good, it shouldn't be a secret. We ought to be wheeling it and dealing it and spraying it and whatever we can do to put it out there to bring people. God loves people and God commands us to reach out. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and, and Matthew 28, 18 through 20 in the Great Commission. So we have kingdom culture when we learn from the early church. When we learn, when we are filled with faith, when we pray when we commit ourselves to growth, to praise, and to giving. These are all ways that we bring heaven to earth. And I want to invite you to help us build a kingdom culture right here on the earth and at Edge Church. Would you pray with me for just a moment?